Navigators of the enigmatic and the concealed. Have you ever felt the pull of the unanswered, the allure of the mysteries that shroud our existence? For more than a decade, a unique comic publisher has dared to dive into these mysteries, unafraid of the secrets they might uncover. This audacious entity is Paranoid American. Welcome to the mystifying universe of the Paranoid American podcast. Launched in the year 2012, Paranoid American has been on a mission to decipher the encrypted secrets of our world. From the unnerving enigma of MK Ultra mind control to the clandestine assemblies of secret societies. From the awe-inspiring frontiers of forbidden technology to the arcane patterns of occult symbols in our very own pop culture. They have committed to unveiling the concealed realities that lie just beneath the surface. Join us as we navigate these intricate landscapes, decoding the hidden scripts of our society and challenging the accepted perceptions of reality. Folks, I've got a big problem on my hands. There's a company called Paranoid American making all these funny memes and comics. Now, I'm a fair guy. I believe in free speech uh, as long as it doesn't cross the line. And if these AI-generated memes dare to make fun of me, they're crossing the line. This is your expedition into the realm of the extraordinary, the secret, the shrouded. 
Come with us as we sift through the world's grand mysteries, question the standardized narratives, and brave the cryptic labyrinth of the concealed truth. So strap yourselves in, broaden your horizons, and steel yourselves for a voyage into the enigmatic heart of the paranoid American podcast. Where each story, every image, every revelation brings us one step closer to the elusive truth. Deep research, reign supreme, and we got one of the internet's best right now, one of the unsung heroes. We were actually doing a live stream the other night with Tommy Truthful with um, Conspiracy Cinema, and they pulled up your page, and someone was like, how does how does this page only have like 1,200 follows? And that's a great freaking question. So if you're watching this right now, go ahead and follow Dana, and then Dana, tell everyone where they can follow you at. Thank you. Um, it's Rotting Jewels on Instagram and YouTube and Dana Duda on Twitter. And if you want to know if Dana believes in flat earth and aliens, check out the link below. We already did the PCP. She had a nice healthy dose of that already. It's probably still uh, going for now. Like the PCP that you do on this show lasts for a long, long time. So I want to jump directly into whatever the the latest hot gosses as i was i i'm already out of touch because i just use like old school terms from many years ago but what's the hot goss right now in satanism in uh what animal shelters scientology are we gonna get sued am i gonna get sued from talking to you <laughs> i want to these are all my questions and more well uh let's hope that there is no litigation even though litigation has now been uh insinuated threatened against me um i think in order to put things into kind of context the best friends animal society kind of starting there as far as the animal advocacy uh because someone one of my subscribers did a super chat to uh sam tripoli his first live stream the other day and asked for me to come on and when he read the comment and then he does his whole like what what about leo remini in this uh animal shelter that sacrifices dogs and i couldn't stop laughing um <laughs> so the big controversy with best friends animal society that i have you know been working on but obviously there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of history involved is I traced the founding members of the process church of the final judgment. I proved who they were. Uh, I did a little bit of lineage on some of them, but I followed them all the way from the UK directly to Utah to best friends, animal society. I did a very deep dive into their theological belief system. Uh, and one of their, he says he's not a member anymore, but I don't believe him. Uh, William Sims Bainbridge, he's like a major cybernetics government researcher, super sus lord. Uh, but he wrote this really fascinating paper about the transmutation of the process's theology. So most people know that they're just kind of like this, you know, kooky sort of cult. And they were very edgy and they had all these gods and it seemed very just kind of laissez-faire. But 
they always said that hurting an animal is the greatest sin, the unforgivable sin. And he states that animal advocacy is the natural conclusion or the natural progression of their theology. And it is all the founding members. So what Best Friends Animal Society is, this is the final stage of the process church of the final judgment. This are you is telling me that are. this this cute little puppy is a Satanist? That seems ridiculous. <laughs> Well, and these little kitties, with- which one, which one of those is the Satanist point them out? They're, they're Jehovian. They, that's technically <laughs> if they're being theologically honest and they were, they eliminated Satan and Lucifer, but Jehovah is the end Jehovah's end times. Uh, that is in my opinion. Uh, I think that they are doing some very bizarre and expensive, heavy duty sort of Uh, I don't know what you would call it, like DNA, RNA type research. Uh, There's a lot of interesting reports, including from immigration services, from local police that were in the Ed Sanders archive, the author of that book, The Family, that the chapter got removed here, where uh, they were using enough power to uh, power a small city on their property in the ranch. Uh, and this was like in the early nineties and they were threatening to shoot down people with cruise missiles for flying over their property. Uh, and this company came to take a tour of the ranch and they said that there were no animals anywhere. Didn't see any animals. And they felt the need to put in this police report that they did not hear or see any evidence of humans being kept against their will which just seems like a weird thing to add in. Uh, But, you know, that's what they're doing uh, right now, among other things. It seems like a lot of uh, stuff is running underground because they're out in Utah. The land that they bought is where people have been hunting for Montezuma's gold. A lot of mysterious deaths related to that. Uh, And they they pretty much own the entire town of Kanab in Utah. Um, They have a monopoly out there pretty much. Uh, And they also basically own the water system in Kanab, which is really strange. But getting there, which is, you know, current time, that's why Leah Remini blocked me because I was like, hey, why do you have the Process Church of the Final Judgment as an approved charity on your website? Uh, And she didn't like that. She deletes every single comment that gets left about. Is it still up or did she take that reference off of her site? Oh, no, it's still up there. That's it's still up. That's a little. okay. so I've heard the connections between, say, Scientology and Satanism before because they've got this common root ancestor of Aleister Crowley. So I understand how you can I can follow that one. But let's just say that, you know, someone's going to go home to Christmas with their normie family and they're all sitting down and they're like, you know, what have you heard about recently that's interesting in the news? And someone wants to say that the Best Friends Animal Society is actually linked to Satanism and they're offering up these horrible, you know, these kittens and puppies for sacrifice. How like what's the lead in there? Someone's like, where did you hear that? Do you just automatically pull out like, well, you know, like push everything off the table and start like flopping books out? (laughs) Or is there like a nice little entry point to get like a normie, you know, aunt, uncle, Grammy, Grampy uh, on board with this? I think in order for, and I mean, obviously there's not really a super watered down version, but the narrative of the process, aka Best Friends Animal Society, is 
They were started in the UK. It was two Scientologists. Apparently, one was Hubbard's right-hand man. We've read that in a couple places, but have not been able to confirm or deny it. Um, they became disillusioned, disenchanted with it, and started their own sort of Scientology-esque group called Compulsions Analysis. So it was basically the same thing as Scientology because they were using the cans, you know, where you get auditing. But instead of the e-meter, which is what Hubbard called it, they called it the P-scope. Um, and I found really old British Medical Association magazines where you can see the process, like they're auditing people, like people are holding cans. Um, they got in trouble because... The British Medical Association found out that they were forcing people to sign waivers that if your mental health deteriorated, you could not hold the process uh, legally liable for anything. So the narrative is this crazy cult. They just go and get on a boat and they're going to go to the Bahamas and they're going to Mexico and they're going to go find themselves. Nobody finds it really strange that this random little cult has enough money to potentially, they were going to try and buy an island in Nassau, which is nuts. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't really make sense. Even if your small amount of members are tithing, that's still a lot of money that you guys need. And when they started, they were living in like the richest boroughs in London. And I've traced the founding members like Robert de Grimston, the most prominent member that people know, especially if they're familiar with Charles Manson. I've done his lineage. He is black nobility, straight up. That dude, like I have confirmed, Robert de Grimston is black nobility. Um, there's a good argument that his wife, uh, Mary Ann de Grimston, that she was involved in the Perfumo affair, which was like the predecessor to Epstein, sort of. In that way, as far as like honeypot type stuff. Yep, that's him. The Christ of Carnaby Street. Yep, that's him. Yeah, uh, he's he actually lives 30 minutes away from me. I just found out he's still alive. Somebody felt the need to uh, make me aware of that, which is just very bizarre. Speaking that is Father that, that Malachi. That is bizarre. Speaking very of, bizarre. is Michael Aquino alive? This came up the other day. No, and he's okay. dead. Okay. And he, he, wanted... he took his life. Really? What What are the details on that? The coroner's report says self-inflicted gunshot wound. Or oh, the death certificate, not the coroner's report. I'm sorry, the death certificate. And is that the so, Temple of Set lives on without him? Or is the Temple of Set like an old thing now? It still lives on without him. Yeah. I just want to say whoever this, this dude is, Robert Day Grimston. He looks like he would bring a guitar to every party and no one wanted to hear it and he would get angry about it. I just want to say he's got that look to it. I could so not go, agree So go more. on. So this is, uh, I recognize his face now, so I understand he's the founder, but just saying Robert de Grimston had no idea. So can you also tie the connection between Process Church or Grimston and Charles Manson? Because the last time this came up, there was a lot of debate over how superficial some of the connections are and i want to just understand like what's the the strongest connection between these two 
Well, uh, let's go ahead and start with the first uh, from Robert DeGrimston's mouth himself. Uh, I found one interview where he says, yeah, Charles Manson was was a member of the Process Church. Uh, I have that in writing in a newspaper. It seems that maybe he kind of slipped. Now, here's where in the Manson timeline and the Process timeline, or as I say, the official narratives, this is where these things clash and then people argue and say that it's all superficial. But an Ed Sanders lawsuit in the UK that the process lost, we learned that the process was in the United States about mm, at least four years earlier than what anybody else had known prior to that, including in California. Because the story is that they're in Stuhl, they're in the Bahamas, they're beating each other in huts, finding Satan, or Satan's finding them, whatever. And then they go to New Orleans. That's where they get incorporated. They also go to San Francisco. They're also in the height. But they happen to get out of town just in time before what happens with Charles Manson and the family at Cielo Drive. That is all a complete lie, and I've proven it. They are in the States. They are in California. Don't know exactly who is in California because these people somehow change their names like 20 times. And even on legal documents, they're using church names and nobody questions them, which is really insane to me. Um, and I mean, I've found some of their naturalization papers and some of their birth records and things of that sort. but. The reality is, is that they leave Mexico, they're in California, they are in bed with the San Jose chapter of the Gypsy Jokers, which was sort of a competing faction of a motorcycle gang with the Hells Angels at that time. Um, and the member that they really tried to distance themselves. But when you read the court records, it turns out that he was a ranking member. Uh, that is Victor Wild, uh, a.k.a. Brother Eli. Um, so he was the motorcycle connection to the founders of the church, including to Robert DeGrimston himself. Um, Charles Manson, we have learned now, that while he was in prison, specifically uh, before everything that happened at Cielo, uh, he was given LSD while he was in the hole uh, and he, he left his soul in the hole. This is what he said. Uh, this has been proven because people say like he got auditing while he was in prison. I think he got like 120 or 150 hours, basically a crash course. Right. Because that's a lot in a short amount of time. But with the cans. Um, I don't think they had the cans, but I don't know. That's a great question because you got to think like they have that criminon program, which is in prisons and that's right. how they bring Scientology in there. So it's a good possibility. I think that that's how they got that in there, but the acid part and getting that into the hole of a prison makes the whole Jolly West angle something that people really need to start considering because it seems that Manson was involved in some sort of MK-esque experiment early on. I don't know if, you know, it was sanctioned through Criminon to bring in that auditing information to him, whatever the case may be. But you have the process in the height they're right down the street from Manson, and they're all within walking distance of the Haight-Ashbury Clinic. 
And that's where people say, like, you got to be careful because there's no proof. There's no documentation. People love to forget that Richard Holmes was ordered by Sidney Gottlieb to destroy so many of those documents. You know what I mean? And grounding things in reality a little bit more. Yeah. They're all in the same place at the same time. The girls were going to the clinic to be treated for canine diseases, the Manson girls. So he's in and out of that clinic. The process is also there. And what ends up happening, as people know, Charles Manson uh, ordered the girls uh, to do what they did with Tex Watson. Bobby Beausoleil is already in jail. And I think Tom O'Neill did a good job of destroying the Helter Skelter narrative. I think that he has completely torn that apart and it should be done away with because it simply isn't true about like the race war. And, you know, they're trying to get Bobby Beausoleil out of prison, like whatever that's it's done. It's fine. But in these files, since the last time we spoke, I have learned that before Sharon Tate's death, her Roman Polanski and Rudy Altabelli, who was the gentleman that owned the house at Cielo Drive, they all went to Rome because Roman was working on this movie called The Day of the Dolphin. Wojciech Frykowski was helping him do research for Day of the Dolphin. So they're in Rome, and I think she comes home by boat uh, maybe maybe about a month, month and a half before the baby was due. And Roman was supposed to come back, but she comes back. And what happens is after those crimes, for some sort, for some reason that nobody knows, but I, my opinion is uh, it was because of this is because per the IRS, Robert DeGrimston was in Rome that entire time. Per Timothy Wiley's book, Love, Sex, Fear, and Death, Marianne, Timothy Wiley, a couple of the other founders were also in Rome. So they're all in Rome together at the exact same time. Timothy Wiley talks about a couple of actors that are making this movie. And when you look it up, I have photos of Sharon and Roman and those actors at the exact same time. So... I don't need to see uh, proof because that is it, that is enough proof that these people were running in the same circles while they are in Rome. Now, as everyone knows, the narrative with Sharon Tate, Roman stays in Rome and he just happens to come back, you know, like right afterwards, after all of that happened. Um, in doing further research and someone sending me some other really crazy files and I have the immigration services report because the process, all of them were from the UK. Uh, and so they were here on visas and Ed Sanders has it in that chapter that was not removed in other countries that the church of Scientology was trying to get them deported back to the UK because they were running around calling themselves the process church of Scientology. Right. So with the process, that's what they were saying. Um, what actually happened is that the uh, church of Scientology has internal church documents and Mary Sue Hubbard, which was L Ron's wife at the time and L Ron Hubbard, they were made aware of what was going on with the process and Charles Manson. Per their words, they were more worried about the bad press from Charles Manson than the crimes that the process was involved in. Now, 
setting the framework for that, because to me, that sounds like a protected operation. They're worried about the bad PR. So it sounds like they're setting up Manson to be the fall guy. I'm not saying that Manson was innocent by any means. They did what they did. However, it turns out in these immigration reports, there are multiple rumors that there was a party at the Tate House, probably, I don't know, maybe six to eight months prior, Sirhan Sirhan. Uh, well, no, this would be a year prior before Sirhan Sirhan assassinated Robert F. Kennedy. So there there were multiple everybody's partying in the canyon. Everybody's doing what they're doing. And at one point, it was Sirhan and the process hanging out, partying at Tate's at Mama and Papa Cass, Cass Elliott, because they're kind of rotating in between all of these houses. The assassination happens. Sirhan goes to jail. Now, the party six to eight months prior to what happened to Cielo, it's Sharon Tate, members of the process. And I think that Papa Cass was there um, because in the Immigration Services report, it says that uh, Papa Cass was funding the process's operations for two years, 67 and 68. He was paying for everything. Uh, but what is stated is that Sharon Tate overheard something about Sirhan Sirhan. And it turns out that Abigail Folger and Sharon Tate were very involved with Robert F. Kennedy. They had great adoration for him. Uh, they wanted to be a part of his campaign. And there was a hit that was taken out on Sharon Tate by the process through Charles Manson. She had to go. I don't know what she overheard. Uh, in my personal opinion, I think that she overheard who hypnotized Sirhan Sirhan because uh, there is some corroborating evidence for that. And it was Jolly West. <laughs> it was Jolly West. Uh, that's that's where we're at right now with these things, because in the interview, so Ed Sanders wrote an, a biography, uh, and it's called Sharon Tate, A Life, because obviously Ed Sanders became very emotionally attached. And I don't blame him, because when I read like the report that the process closed down their Rome chapter five days after the death of Sharon Tate, and they all got the hell out of Rome. I knew what I was looking at, that they were complicit and that they knew something. And I like was like bawling my eyes out on my live stream, but I had to tell people, I'm like, you guys got to see this because this is completely nuts to me. Um, but with her, with the hit being taken out and Sirhan Sirhan already being in jail, so there's a really fascinating documentary called The Manchurian Candidate, and one of my sources who wants to remain anonymous sent it to me, and it's a, he's dead now, he died recently, he is, was one of the most well-renowned uh, hypnotism experts, and uh, has a very solid resume, and Sirhan's lawyer and this man spent, I think it was like, I don't know, 200 hours with them. And he says, he says, I showed him five different pictures. He picked out Jolly West. He said, I don't know where I know him from, but I know him. But the thing is, is that Sirhan doesn't remember what happened that night. He does. He has no idea what happened that night, but Jolly West sticks out to him. That's a big problem. So back to the Sharon Tate book in that book, they are interviewing 
Ed Sanders is asking questions about um, immigration services and these rumors about Sharon Tate overhearing something. And he says, well, I naturally asked the next question. What did she overhear? Per the FBI and immigration services, it's a matter of national security that will not be released what Sharon Tate overheard. Jolly West, I would say, is a matter of national security. So it sounds like she overheard who did it. Because come to find out, Jolly wasn't just hanging out at Height Ashbury or his little crash pad. Uh, in the Manchurian Candidate documentary, that doctor talks about how Jolly West had a uh, sort of MK lab in the San Bernardino Mountains. I've never heard that before in all of my research about Jolly, and I still can't find this place. So who knows what he was doing out there, but people need to keep in mind, uh, gosh, what is his name? It's something white, George White, George White of Operation Midnight Climax. Yeah, like he's involved with him. That's a mafia tie right there. That's drug connection. So I think that Jolly may have been, uh, you know, partaking a little bit as well in the scene, kind of having a good time. Uh, I don't think that that's out of the question because George White was a scumbag. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and George Hunter White was the connection between so many people like Lucky Luciano. He kind of like brokered some of those early uh, like when the OSS was working with the mafia, essentially to fight against the Germans, they were like, you know, we're we'll be patriotic enough to keep making money. So let's work on the same team sort of thing. So he got to live in both of those worlds. But he also I believe he busted Jack Ruby at some point on record when he was in the FBN, uh, the Federal Bureau of Narcotics before uh, like the DEA or anything else existed. So he's again like there's a George Hunter White sized puzzle piece that's missing in a lot of stories, just like there's a Jolly West sized puzzle piece missing, but it's really hard to figure out exactly like where, where was that Sam Bern, uh, Bernardino? Lab? Yeah, they said they said it's in the sand. He said it was in the San Bernardino Mountains. He just said that it was a research lab where he was doing similar experience experiments but he wouldn't uh detail it too much i know that he had to be careful but i mean if you were hypnotized really well and you don't remember that night and there's you know did you assassinate him who knows but i mean that's a matter of national security if that's who he picked out do you think that sharon tate saw it coming then if she overheard all of this there's a hit out on her like was it just like a matter of time do you think um I think that that's a good question. The transcripts are so long from the Manson trial, but in uh, Patricia Krenwinkle, so she went up for parole. Uh, this was before I think she got out because I think she's out now. But I think in 2011, she had went back up for parole. And she kind of slipped up. Uh, she said that they were there to do a hit on two women. That was the order. It was supposed to be Abigail and Sharon. That's who they were going after per Charlie's orders. Um, so that's on that's on court record. Um, I do think that maybe Sharon knew something was wrong because one of the random pages that I was able to find when I was trying to really dig into Rudy Altabelli, uh, it's his beginning of his testimony. And he's talking about the day before they all leave for Rome and Manson shows up at the house that's yellow drive and like is trying to talk to Sharon and they like shoo him away. So, I mean, I'm sure that she knew something was wrong. 
he probably had his guitar too. I bet I bet you anything he had it. Um and I, I want to get I want to get back to the the puppies and the kittens and just in a little second. But this also reminded me I, I heard something recently that the thing that caused Roman Polanski to not be allowed in the U.S. essentially oversimplified was something that happened at Jack Nicholson's house and that Jack Nicholson is implicated in all of this. Where like, is there any crossover between Jack Nicholson and and the process church or Scientology or Satanism or did he was he just a dirty man that like dirty stuff like Roman Polanski did? Uh, I am working on it. Uh, so there was a rumor in the Ed Sanders files that Jack Nicholson was involved in the funding of Best Friends Animal Society. I uh, have their official book and Jack Nicholson is in that book. So I am working on trying to figure out where he plays in money wise. But yeah, I think that he's absolutely implicated in it. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so we're we're gonna slowly get back towards this because earlier you were you almost said the best friends society, aka Process Church, almost as if they're interchangeable. So is is it? Are they truly interchangeable? Like they might yes. as well just so yes. To me, they are because I've proven who they are. They are the same people. Like I spent months holding up pictures of them like because some of the pictures are so old but like then i'm able to find their naturalization papers i've hunted through all the old newspapers like everything and that's why i have those maps like the little mind maps sort of on twitter where you can see that's them here's their naturalization papers here's all of their church names and then there they are at best friends right now today um it's very strange to me because a lot of the founders obviously are getting old and dying off uh there's no death record there's no obituary you only have the obituary on the best friends website it is not made public anywhere else so uh where did they go what are they doing with their bodies? I would like to know, because uh, that is a consistent theme with every single founder that has passed away. I don't have any understanding of how like the animal shelter business works. I'm sure there's like working business models out there. And this is like a real a total bumpkin question. Uh, but I but I mean it in seriousness, even if I smile and I kind of like joke about it. But it seems to me if I was like a competing business, like, you know, I was I was the option that wasn't the best friend society. It feels like you can make a bang out campaign to be like, hey, donate your animal here. The ones that won't sacrifice it to Satan. Uh, like so like, why is there no one else in this space within the animal shelter space, like causing a big ruckus about this. I assume that you're not running a competing animal shelter business. Um, so there's, there's people out there that have a much greater incentive to expose this and just to think ahead, are they all in on it? And they're just like the best friends is like one of the untouchables. No. So actually, no, it's a great question. Um, Cause the stuff on Twitter with Leah Romini started getting attention because of some pit bull groups who said, hey, we've been trying to get her attention for months. <laughs> she won't listen to us. They knew that something was wrong, but they didn't know the intricacies of the process and the history of that. So that's where I came in and started laying that groundwork to prove their claims because Best Friends Animal Society is part of what is known as the Pitbull Lobby. Uh, so they have a lot of lobbying power because they have a lot 
of money. They have private planes. Uh, it's completely insane the amount of money that these people are paid. Um, but they have infiltrated a lot of the more public humane societies, unfortunately. Um, they spend a lot of money getting laws passed. They work with a lot of shady people. Um, they have a lot of power. They have a lot of power. Um, and it's very unfortunate because they are getting into more and more of these, uh, you know, smaller animal shelters. Some of them, they just come in and pay them off and take them over. Um, so like they have contracts. I know, I think that maybe the contract expired recently, but like in LA County, they had a contract with the Humane Society there where they would just take all of the dogs, no matter what they took them all. Well, as time passed, it was lawsuit after lawsuit for wrongful death, negligence, um, people and animals being permanently mauled or killed. Because um, a lot of those dogs, like they're not screening them to be rehomed. Uh, so there are animal rights activists or in the context of the pit bull conversation, because that's very complicated. I have pit bulls. I love them. But like, I also know that a lot of them are abused and they shouldn't be around elderly people, small dogs or children. You know what I mean? It's just kind of common sense. Um, there are a lot of those groups out there. They just don't have the money. They don't have the money to, to come up against these people because they are a powerhouse. They are a major powerhouse. And I think that pretty soon they're going to be a major powerhouse in medicine as well. All right. See if you can just catch my gist here. We're going to, we're going to describe we're in the game Minecraft. All right. So nothing we're describing is happening in the real world. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. What is the most extreme version of what this group is doing with these animals? Like, like what's the, the most extreme rumor? Like if, if you were to say, your worst fear, if it were, you know, confirmed with all your suspicions, what's the darkest version of that? Again, in Minecraft to the, whoever's watching this on the YouTube sensors, we're talking about a video game. Allegedly, here. allegedly, supposedly in fake world, fake world time. Yeah, we're, we're Correct. playing opposite day um, using dog DNA, uh, rabbit DNA, monkey DNA, horse DNA. Um, and using that in experimental medicine, um, especially blood donations, like with hurricanes and stuff. Uh, coincidentally, dog blood is in very high demand at those times because it can be apparently used for things. Most people don't know that. I didn't know that until recently. Um, it's very interesting. German shepherds or the shepherd breed specifically, uh, they have a very high level of oxytocin which is the happy drug. Um, so there is an argument that could be made for the uh, practicing ists, whether it's Satanists or Luciferians uh, that are participating in rituals in this Minecraft world, that they would be uh, sacrificing and, you know, partaking of that. Uh, that makes sense to me. Um, and, uh, in worst case scenario outside of the animal stuff and this Minecraft world in my Minecraft world, the Minecraft farm and workers, if I had a sex cult, because at one point, you know, uh, pretty much consistently, yes, that was also being done as, you know, sex rituals and orgies, um, you could theoretically have a farm of girls 
that uh, that's sheet product and terminate at various stages to get the product that you need that's keeping your price very low uh, for certain types of medicine, like, you know, like the Kim Kardashian, like vampire facial, all that stuff, like the plasma, that that kind of crap. That's that's what they that that's what you could use that stuff for. And you would make a killing off of it because the product would cost you nothing. So that's kind of like worst case scenario. Okay, so so not that bad is what you're saying. I was I was expecting way worse than that. Well, now I'm curious what you think. Well, I don't maybe just like wholesale animal sacrifice. They they buy a, an entire shelter full of 50 dogs and now like that's just a fraction of the offering that they need to make sure that Hillary Clinton has a chance and whatever the next debate would be. Oh, I think that that's happening. That's not worst case scenario to me because I'm thinking like uh, infiltration into like uh, the medical system. You know what I'm saying? Because like uh, in this Minecraft world, it's been stated like they want to take over the government and the country like straight up that I think I've absolutely thought that was happening because I couldn't understand why they wouldn't take Michael Vick's dogs unless they were paid $18,000 a dog, but they did take all of them. Couldn't really rehome a lot of them. So what did they do with them? They were also into uh, animal husbandry in New York. I found a very random land record. So they were breeding at one point for about 10 years in Arizona. What were they breeding? Who knows? Who knows? So I guess, yeah, the, the most extreme version of this would be anything that people think is done to humans on the extreme level. I mean, just apply that to animals and then add the point where no one's going to come looking for the animal. No one's going to hire. Well, maybe if like you stole Paris Hilton's dog, I'm not suggesting that best friends, by the way, leave, leave her dog alone. Uh, but like when it's an animal, you know, like the dog runs away, you put up a poster, you cry about it, but you're not necessarily filing a police report and you've got like a homicide detective on your ass over it. That's like trailing you and going through your garbage. So at that level, yeah, I guess you could scale that industry way, way up. And I've never heard of what can you use dog blood for uh, aside from the oxytocin um, from German shepherds and, and like, is there others like, can they use it for blood human transfusions? transfusions? Yeah. And human transfusions emergently. Yeah. I've, that's insane. That's actually really great. Okay. So let's, let's say that there might be a silver line to this. Maybe they're just trying to help hurricane victims and tragedy victims. So where's the bad part? Like, you know, let's, let's give them the most benefit of the doubt possible. Is there still something that's beyond nefarious that you could never uh, attribute to, like, helping humanity? Um, they have called their theology calls for the destruction of humanity. Um, that is the only way that things are going to be restored into uh, a balance. You know, the end. Humans have to go. And, you know, hurricanes. I found a really, really old janky video Guess who was in Haiti with the Clinton Foundation? Best Friends Animal Society. So they were there together working in harmony. Uh, so eventually in the timeline, when I get there, I will obviously be exploring that because when we talk about like leaving what happened in California in the 60s and, you know, what has happened as we get to Son of Sam and stuff. Yeah, the stuff with animals, but there's also stuff with humans. 
like humans going missing, people going missing, bad things happening to people. So, and I don't want to discount, you know, horrible things that happen to humans. I feel bad about that sure. too. I guess that that I just always assumed has always been like someone's doing that right now. But then when when we talk about these animal shelters, never in a million years did it ever even cross my mind that someone be scraping that barrel for the same. And I guess it makes sense because. You know, where do they go when it's for humans? It's for like, you know, the adoption agencies and the halfway houses and the boys towns and all of those places where you just kind of discard those that don't have some sort of an advocate. And man, that's multiply that again when it comes to. Okay, so where does Leah Ramini fit into this? The king of queen of queens, right? Like she's our friend because she did the Scientology exposés. So she's clearly anti mind control. She's kind of snarky about it. She sort of like spearheaded this whole movement to, you know, shine more light on Scientology, I guess, in the mainstream. So she's our hero. Is she not? Do you have can you pan over and show everyone the statue of Leah that you've got in your room, actually? Oh, I'm sorry. It's in the garbage can. Whoops. Okay. I'll go grab it out. So, so um, what's, what's the story here? Why so, is she not a good guy? Well, in the grand scheme of things, in the watered down version, yes, you see the TV show. I remind people, uh, real whistleblowers don't get to go on TV and get awards. Let's think of Gary Webb and Iran Contra, Gary Caridori and the Franklin scandal, Danny Casalaro and the Enslaw octopus affair. Um, that's not how these things work out, uh, just historically speaking. Um, Shelley, in my, by the way, do we know where Shelley's at? No clue. Don't know where Miscavige is at either, because I don't think that he's here anymore, quite frankly. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, it's her coming out and painting the concept of fair game as X, Y, or Z, what you see on TV. Um, the whistleblowers that I've been working with. And even like when you read like Hubbard's old policies about like when he starts the guardian's office, which was the, which preceded uh, the current CIA of the church, which is the office of special affairs. You know, it's like Hotel California. You could check out, but you can't really leave. So you're in the church. Yeah. So if you're in the church and then you leave, you're going to go with the controlled opposition. You are going to immediately be shifted into the outer group. You know what I mean? Um, and so in my opinion and from my very personal experience with Miss uh, Ramini, as well as Mike Rinder, the gentleman that is always with her on those shows and the award shows and stuff, um, I think that there's an argument to be made in my personal opinion. I think she's a full-blown processian. I think quite a few of these people are. Um, but a lot of them just digging back in the archives and interactions that have been had with them. Uh, they're not exposing anything because they know what they need to expose. If they want to take down this billion dollar cult, uh, they know what it is and they won't do it. And like I said, she got really jumpy when I started talking about the process and proving certain things about the process that had not been brought to light. Um, and like I said, she's blocked me and she will delete, like that every single comment that somebody leaves asking her about best friends or the process. Okay. 
Help me understand, because I think I got this. Let me repeat this, and you tell me if, if any of this is incorrect. So Scientology kind of is budding, and from that, there becomes this splinter group of the Process Church. And originally, I guess they kind of considered themselves the real Scientology because they called themselves the Process uh, Church of Scientology or something. So it was like, we're the, the right way, the true way, the, the real way, and this other way is not right. Do you do you know what like their exact, you know, um, issues were with mainstream Scientology that caused them to splinter off? Um, so I don't think that there were any issues. I think that uh, Robert and Mary Ann DeGrimston were given orders to start this group. So I don't refer to it as a like splinter group or a cell group. And I know Scientology is so freaking confusing, dude. Like it, I, every time I'm on the phone with these whistleblowers, I'm like, explain it to me. Like I'm five. Like, I don't understand it. Hubbard made it so confusing, but what happens is right around the time that the DeGrimstons are going to do their thing and they're declared suppressive people. There's one issue that I showed recently and I'd never seen it before. And it like totally screwed up my head of their old auditor magazine. And it's right when the DeGrimstons are declared and it looks like a process publication. It's in vivid colors. It looks freaking crazy. It talks like the process. And that is one issue, the one before it and the one after it and every single other one completely normal. But this one, vivid, rich, very processian as far as like the PR campaign, sort of. But what happens when the DeGrimstons are declared and they start their squirrel group, as the Church of Scientology calls it, Hubbard starts the uh, CIA of the church, which is the Guardian's office. That's when he starts that. So that timing syncs up that, you know, we're starting to deepen as far as going underground with certain things and hiding certain things. And in the concept of fair game versus what you see on TV and stuff, but in a group that is knowingly using Hubbard's technology, Dianetics, auditing the like, Hubbard throws a fit. There are other examples of him in the old auditor magazines threatening to sue people Black PR campaigns, black operations being ran on people. The process is never touched. They're never touched. They are allowed to thor uh, flourish and thrive. Um, so I think that they were told to do that because all the process is, is a black mirror to Scientology. Otherwise, it's the exact same. It's just a black mirror. There's nothing different about it at all. Fascinating. So if is there a chance that, uh, you know, I, I graduate high school and I drop out of college and I'm really edgy. Can I even join the process church? Do I have to join Scientology first and then get like recruited into it? Or is there like lower rings where they allow just anyone to join, but they'll never actually get into the connection? Like if you're at the top of the process church, are you Scientologist and vice versa? If you're at the top of Scientology, are you a process church? I think if you are ranking within the process, yes, at the end of the day, you're a Scientologist. I think within the Church of Scientology, there has to be some sort of level of plausible deniability 
right? So just like the president of the United States can't know everything that's going on because they're human and they would slip up in an interview, right? Like or on a television broadcast, there has to be a certain level of plausible deniability. So there would be certain people who would know. And then obviously Hubbard and his wife, Mary Sue, they would know uh, to an extent. They would at least have an idea and they would, you know, maybe send down the barking orders depending on what they were. Um, So an interesting segue, and I'm glad that you brought it up because it is a perfect example. So you're in high school, you drop out or you drop out of college, whatever. So with the process, yeah, like you can totally join, right? Because the process is... For the normal lay person, you know, uh, being a high ranking Scientologist, that's a status symbol. You have to have a lot of money, right? That's how it's portrayed. A lot of celebrities. The process, not so much. But it's interesting because, you know, what we're looking at with the son of Sam right now, factually, is that, uh, you know, the Carr family may have been recruited into the church and immediately rerouted into the process through the cloak of their guardian's office, the intelligence organization of the Church of Scientology. Um, so that would be a way to be recruited through the Church of Scientology into the process. But you would have to stick out to them as far as being an intelligent asset in some sort of way, because that would be covert. You would go and maybe do some courses, maybe not. Maybe you just go clear really fast and then they just shoo you through and you disappear from the magazines, right? Um, so that would be two different ways. The, the, I'm I'm just freestyling right now, but um, I'm, as you're talking about this, I'm just trying to consider why is it that intelligence agencies sort of get into cahoots to to make a technical term but they get into cahoots with like these dark occult like evil demonic whatever like fill in the blanks of all of that but what is it about that and I'm, as i think about it you don't necessarily want to get completely into bed with drug, you know drug dealers and drug addicts it brings unpredictability to the situation the same thing if you want to talk about like mafiosos or like now you've got like an unpredictable violence um, element to it and if you go down the line of like all these different types of people that might be career criminals there's all sorts of vices like if it's someone that's into arson maybe they'll burn something down you know but then when you get to people that let's say um are like the the old sort of necromancers or the old like cadaver inspectors like they're not necessarily on drugs they're not necessarily unpredictable if anything they are incredibly meticulous and they're forming these networks and those networks are something that almost no other criminal class is capable of doing and sustaining for long periods of time but if you specialize in i don't know orgas harvesting or bodies or trafficking of you know things i'm not going to get into the specifics but now you almost remove that criminal element of unpredictable violence like they would be in the business of keeping things going in ways that no other and like the closest one might be drugs when a bunch of people collectively say hey let's make it easier on ourselves no more infighting but even then that is like a whole different layer of unpredictability so has has that ever come up before has ever crossed your mind like what and why is it that it's like why is it CIA and Satanism? Why is it the process church and Scientology OSA? Like, what is it about dark, you know, worship and, and body trafficking that links these together? It's, I think it's a good shore story 
you know, it kind of throws uh, local police and local investigators off of the trail because the insane claims about satanic cults and all this ritual stuff. Uh, eh, we've seen this bore out over time. It kind of gets chalked up to nothing. Right. Uh, it just is like the crazy fanaticism of conservatives or whatever the case may be. Um, I did a report. I read a report last night from Kenneth Lanning on my channel where like they literally say that the reports of satanic cults are because people are poor and they can't cope with being poor. And so they create demons to cope with being poor. And that's where these uh, reports of crimes come from. Um, it's interesting that you bring up necromancy because in the time of the son of Sam, literally, uh, the process is in the newspaper talking about necromancy. They're like, we haven't brought somebody back from the dead yet, but we think that we'll be able to soon. Um, and there are reports, newspapers that I've read of, you know, some, they say that they were witches. It wouldn't specify which cult that they were in, but these were well-known people uh, that were involved with celebrities in New York. Um, they were found with a very specific marking each of them on the same side of their body, uh, bruises specifically, you know, a ball of hair in one hand, which is an occult symbol at a crime. Uh, they were drained of all of their blood Two two adults. Uh, they literally just stopped investigating. Like I've followed up through all of that. They just stopped. They just stopped. Uh, it's very, very strange, but I think that the intelligence angle with any sort of cult or occult, whatever the case may be, it's so easily uh, people chalk it up and say like, oh, no, that's a satanic panic. And then the investigation stops there. I think that that's the benefit that it serves. And like you said, for the uh, true believers, the true practitioners, they are generally already intelligence agents and they know how to, you know, keep the ship running, keep things flowing smoothly um, and take care of business. But yeah, there's always running the risk of getting involved with uh, unpredictable or shady characters in drug circles, whatever the case may be. Um, and I think that that's what happened in California. I think that that's exactly what happened when they were involved with the Gypsy Jokers, the motorcycle gang. That was a lot of bad stuff going on there, you know, the end of the summer of love. Um, and then as the process, you know, moves to New York, well, then we have the stuff that goes on with the son of Sam. What kind of stuff is going on in the UK? Um, and, you know, like, do they have the equivalent of uh, son of Sam and Charles Manson and everything at the same time, modern day. Cause I'm, I'm just no, an ignorant American. So I don't really know about the European version of any of this. No, I actually honestly haven't gone back to look. I have a separate, you know, set up on my computer where I'm going to come back. But I was looking to see like what was going on in the UK at the same time as these, you know, spiking reports of cults here. And it was happening there too, because, you know, they did go back to the UK, some of them for a little while. Um, it's fascinating because most people know who Jimmy Savile is. And Jimmy Savile was in one of the earliest process publications. He was on the cover of their sex magazine. So take that for what you will. But the process turns out they also had a hospital children's ministry um, and they ended up getting banned. And that's in the newspapers. 
they they were banned from going to children's hospitals and seeing children, but they were also doing the exact same thing here. Uh, I have what found was the them story doing behind it. the ban. Was there a reason uh, why, or just they kept it pretty vague in the newspaper? They just specific. said, uh, "Okay, yeah, they weren't they weren't really specific about anything going on." Um, and then they were doing it here too. Uh, they said that. They primarily worked with mentally ill children, uh, and they were doing this in all of their locations. So just what were they doing? I don't know. But I don't know why these people were allowed in children's hospitals because their clown ministry in Colorado, it was literally in a children's burn unit. Is this the process church? Is it something that's gotten bigger since the 70s or smaller? Bigger. And are we, do you have any scope? Are we talking like, you know, exponentially bigger, like times 10 times a hundred doubled in size? I think that the varying factions that exist. So in Italy, there's a gentleman, Alessandro Papa. Um, he's more kind of like old school processian. I don't know how big his following is. Um, there's a lot of followings within certain music scenes. Um, and then you know, the, the best friends, people that they are processians. So, you know, and they have infiltrated, like I said, a lot of local humane societies and some of them they've just completely taken over. Um, cause I do still think that there is the occultism sort of practice going on, especially with the founding members, um, and, you know, their offspring, whatever offspring has not uh, just completely uh, excised them out of their life because they are not good to their children whatsoever. I have read many horror stories from their kids. Um, but I mean, in 1974, in the Ed Sanders lawsuit at that time, they said that they had over half a million members worldwide and they were in over 100 cities in the United States in 1974. If we were to theoretically in Minecraft, infiltrate the process church what would be the best way in would it be through like say volunteering at one of the their animal shelters and then trying to get the inside scoop that way yeah here's the problem uh in this minecraft world they only uh hire people from like really far out of state there's a very serious screening process which also get, raises red flags to me uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it might be stronger than Uber, but these are people that are just going to, what, transport beaten dogs from point A to point B until they're then sacrificed to the Dark Lord of some kind? Or turned into like a, a weird mRNA bath for someone to take a little bath in? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? So what is... Uh, <laughs> If you were to say get in, right, let's say that you passed all of the tests, you know, they you, you come back squeaky clean. Is there a certain point in the company that like you're rising through that you think you would just either have to be on board or hit like the glass ceiling? And if so, like, what's that? What's that level? Like, if you I think as soon as like you're given a title. I think as soon as you're given a title within the organization, I don't know what title, I don't know what rank it would mm -hmm. be, but I think anything outside of like normal day-to-day -day kind of operations and like regular sort of bookkeeping, I think once you're up to like some sort of managerial level, then you've got to be on board or you or you go. Do you know if the process church 
touts any sort of like supernatural abilities kind of like you know how scientology has like you can yes. go clear and so what what mm -hmm. is unique to the process church um so one of the founding members that i just found out that she died because i found uh it on the best friends website uh so her name was isabel rennie slash nasser slash mother ria ophelia benedicte um so she literally changed her name so many times uh but last year she died at the end of last year um so apparently they hold these big galas for best friends um and she was like straight up doing like esp and like mind reading and all of this weird psychic stuff like they talk about it in these people's obituaries so these people are practicing this stuff at these galas where celebrities are at and politicians and that would be pretty impressive if you showed up and they were doing like, you know, someone takes a shot of dog blood and all of a sudden they can read your mind and then it wears off. It, yeah. seem, it seems like, I don't know, would, would you take a shot if if it, if you could read somebody's mind? Definitely no, not. I'm good. I don't want to go to I don't want to go into anybody's mind. All right. Hold on. Let me all pause recording. OK, you can tell me for real. We're paused. Would you drink no. dog blood? To, OK, no, absolutely okay. not. Okay. No way. I, uh, my own mind is enough. And, uh, there's just certain boundaries that I don't think that people should cross. But I mean, these people have never been questioned. And that's why I am where I am at. Because, uh, you know, I knew that in going back and trying to detail the history of everything, I knew that I was going to have to look at the son of Sam and, well, what a dumpster fire that has been. Uh, but it you is what it that, is. That's not even his name, right? Sam's not even son of Sam's real name. So I will say this with confidence for myself until a birth certificate is provided that I've asked for and then, you know, threatened to sue me. Um, but from what it looks like, Sam of Son of Sam, his first real name is Michael, Michael Samuel Carr. Uh, why is this interesting? Well, there's two Michael Carrs in the Church of Scientology. Now, the younger one, Michael Carr III, he is one of the sons that died after David Berkowitz went to prison. Uh, so Michael, he's known the younger one that he was a Scientologist. Like that's in the ultimate evil. That's kind of a well-established thing. However, no one has ever seen proof of that. In the auditor magazines, they would give you a clear number. You would be assigned clear number whatever. So I had one Michael Carr going clear in 1968 in Los Angeles, California, where Charles Manson and the Process Church of the Final Judgment and Mr. Uh, Jolly West were at at the exact same time. And I said, well, Michael would have been pretty young, but they do recruit young. They have been known to recruit very young. And I said, okay, well, maybe. Then, as I'm trying to do like a sort of lineage, at least as far as figuring out who Sam, his dad is, I got the marriage certificate. I'm looking at the wife and his dad's name is Michael. And I said, well, that's interesting because the younger Michael is listed as Michael Vale Carr III. And I said, okay, so is grandpa one and is Sam number two. 
So I'm hunting through the old newspapers because he was in the service and they used to do the lottery draft and they would announce it in the newspapers. Michael Samuel Carr was drafted and it lines up exactly with the time that uh, that he got into the service straight up. And his father's name was Michael. So his grandpa, number one, Sam is number two. And then his son who died was number three. Uh, I have not seen any proof to the contrary. And ever since I've started talking about this, because this would mean that son of Sam, Sam was in LA with the process, Charles Manson, all of that stuff, he would be there. And then this younger car whatever the hell he's doing at the time of the stuff that's going on in New York, because obviously Sam has come home by that time. Cause that's, you know, almost a decade later uh, that makes things very uncomfortable for people because this brings the car family, the son of Sam, the cars, this brings them deep into the church of Scientology. Very, very deep because Michael Carr in 1968, Sam, he went clear just like that. He got what I like to call the fast track. That's what Heber Gentsch, the polygamous Mormon, who took over after L. Ron Hubbard disappeared. He also got the fast track because Heber, Heber Gentsch went clear the following year, right before the Cielo Drive murders, which I think is really interesting. We just have a lot of strange people in the same place at the same time. Um, but then you follow the process to New York because they do go right to New York. Um, and I've traced where all of the buildings are. And we have three process locations, two Scientology orgs in New York. And within the walking distance, we have uh, Jeffrey Epstein's property. So, and Jeffrey Epstein was very, very active at that time. Are there any other connections between Epstein and the process church? Oh, there, there's a, there's a lot of bad connections to all of this. There's, there's a lot of bad connections that have not been, in my personal opinion, uh, taken seriously, hence the whole like weird lawsuit threat, whatever. But the Son of Sam Netflix documentary, I haven't even seen it. I never cared about Son of Sam. All I knew was that some dude said a dog told him to kill. And once I started looking into the process, I was like, that's the process. Like, what is this dude talking about? That's all I thought. Um, but once I started really digging into this, someone anonymously sent me all of uh, Maury Terry's files that he had. And it's like over a thousand files, but it's like his life's work, like everything that he did to write that book, The Ultimate Evil. And there's a lot of stuff about very similar activity to what Jeffrey Epstein was doing and it directly names the process and a lot of it names that I know because I know all of their different name changes that they went through because I had to work so hard to figure out who the hell they were um and you know what it looks like is I mean as far as that stuff goes I haven't proven it yet but I think that that will be coming down the road um, and obviously I'll have to warn people like a trigger warning because that's going to be pretty graphic. Those files are pretty graphic. Um, but from what it looks like, I'm hoping I'm not trying to necessarily exonerate him in the court of public opinion or in a court of law. I try to operate within reality. Um, David Berkowitz didn't do that alone. He didn't do that alone. 
he was a patsy. Do I think that he did some of it? Sure. But he was a patsy. Um, it's really interesting. There is, he's dead now. His name is Arnie Lerma. Um, he had made a statement publicly and unfortunately passed away the following month. Don't know if it's necessarily related, but can't rule it out. Uh, so he was having a conversation with the legal counsel for Tony Ortega. A lot of people know who he is. He writes a lot about uh, Scientology, ex-Scientology. Uh, he runs the Underground Bunker website. He's a journalist. I don't trust him either. I think he's equivalent to like Leo Bermini in that category. But uh, the legal counsel and Arnie Lerma, the late Arnie Lerma, were talking and Arnie Lerma was told that Michael Vale Carr III, the younger car that died, uh, that the church had given him a order for an end of life cycle or EOC, which is an order to unalive yourself. And so that's why he drove into that uh, light pole and passed away. Because uh, if people are familiar with the son of Sam, a year earlier, the brother, John C. Carr, Clinton himself in North Dakota, and it was just kind of left at that. But I did some digging, and it turns out that his aunt also died a mysterious death a few months later in North Dakota with him. And both of their both of their death certificates are redacted. I don't know why that is. So national there's something security. really, really wrong here. Huh? It's, a, it's national security, of course. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, no. I would love to see it just so we could know, you know, for the historical record. But... It's interesting that you said you haven't seen the Son of Sam documentary series and that you you kind of came across that aspect of it through the Process Church research, whereas I had never heard of the Process Church until I saw the Son of Sam documentary. And then like they they draw some lines. And that was the first time that I really had someone like lead me directly to it to like then go and research more. But I didn't find any of this stuff. And one in particular, you mentioned uh a specific issue of the auditor and i assume that's the like an what is it, an internal scientology newsletter do you know what issue that was that was like that looked like it was from the process church so i think i read and i'll find them and send them to you because they're great mm -hmm. one of them is so cool i want it though that one is so cool like i want it as a poster it's amazing the propaganda game is super strong with hubbard he knew what the hell he was doing are these just like um, little birds that just like drop this stuff in your your sphere or do you like find this somewhere these are the elderly whistleblowers from the church that i work with like they they are a wealth of knowledge they were like why has no one looked in these magazines? And so like, I've been walking with it through them and we have the clear numbers. We have Michael Carr, the third being like the photographer. Um, it's interesting because it seems right now at this point that the person he was taking a picture of was a processian who was also working for the Church of Scientology because these roles are interchangeable, which is frustrating because it is so confusing. Um, but these issues of the Auditor magazine are very old. I think it's I, I showed people so that they could understand issue 13, which looks normal, and then issue 14 when the DeGrimstons get declared suppressive people and Hubbard starts the internal church CIA. And then the following month, it goes back to normal. 
this is the only one and it sticks out like a sore thumb. But yeah, I'll send you all three because I think that they're cool to have. They're just like neat little historical pieces and you get to see how extra Hubbard is. Maybe it was just like a special edition. Mm-mm. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. no, no, no. So if someone wants to, uh, I don't know, like actually work for an organization that does help animals. Are there any like good ones for sure that, that we can give the stamp of approval or is everybody suspect at this point because nobody's sounding the alarms? I would. Ugh, I don't know. Cause I just don't know that much about animal activism. And I know that like there's problems with PETA and big groups like that. Like they have their own issues. You know what I mean? Is there any um, crossover between PETA and process church, like direct crossover? I haven't found it yet, but I've had to kind of step away from looking at best friends in particular because the son of Sam stuff has been like so time consuming. Um, but I think that there will be some crossovers. I think that we're also going to see like the animal defense league, like a bit more of the uh, like animal rights terrorism. Cause that was also going on in the UK. Um, but I mean, I would just tell people to really do their due diligence. Don't be afraid to ask if best friends is funding or uh, supporting your local charity because i'm all about volunteering i'm all about like rescuing and all of that like it's it's really important but if they're doing the whole no kill thing that is a best friends animal society uh nationwide goal 2025 is their year they have a little over a year left they want to do no kill by the end of 2025 uh so i would ask those questions no more killing animals no more putting them down and, and what's the alternative? They want to get rid of humans. I mean, is that going to become their their new PR campaign in 2025? Is it just going to be like end humans, you know, click here for more, scan this QR code? Well, so on my Twitter, the last uh, or the most recent founding member that I uploaded, of course, he's the most litigation happy, but whatever, uh, Mr. Michael Mountain. So he has this website called earthintransition.org. He's the founder of that website. And if you read it, it is Processian Theology, uh, where he talks about the coming sixth mass extinction, uh, humans going bye-bye. So... I mean, this is what they want. They it's no more animals. It's just it's it's just animals, no humans. I mean, uh, that's their goal. So, I mean, what is their angle going to be? I don't really know. You know, they've gone to the White House uh, in case people didn't know. Uh, remember the dog that uh, just got in trouble for biting people with Biden? That was the best gave, friends animal that, society okay, yeah. dog. I was gonna say they gave that yeah. dog to Hillary immediately. She was just like snapped the neck back, chugged it, started reading people's Probably. minds in the room. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um. Okay. So, um, to wrap this up a little bit, I want to end on a on a very high positive note. I'm a man of action, and I like to think of um sort of interesting, creative ways to maybe you know disrupt the system a little bit. So it sounds like joining and doing a uh, like a project veritas style hit piece might not work as well 
because of the background checks. So let's just say that, you know, we, we find people, there's viewers out there that can like cozy up to existing people that are working in the, uh, in this organization that maybe aren't part of the high levels. So I don't know, you, you know, strike up a little conversation. Maybe you like, you know, start a date. That's kind of how Veritas did it a little bit, right? They would use like a love interest angle. And now all of a sudden they're getting all of the, the hot goss and all the deets. So if let's just say that the, the opportunity presents itself to someone out there where they find themselves in a relationship with a low level animal friends, employee, volunteer, whatever, what's, what's the, like, <laughs> what's the entry point? What is the, like, uh, the, the sugar, the spoonful of sugar, I guess, to be like, Hey, you know, that those animals that you think you're helping are actually going to Satanists and you know, they're using it for hurricane and blood and they're going to destroy us all. Like what, how do you bring it? How do you bring in up that topic without completely just scaring them off? I would say, uh, is there a facility underground? That's what I want to know. That would answer so many things because the Church of Scientology, uh, the honeypot that Leah Ramini is still sending to slide into my DMs on Instagram. Uh, so his former role was within the Church of Spiritual Technology, which owns the Church of Scientology uh, and this honeypot provocateur, whatever. The dude's a total simp. But uh, he was working in the desert building bunkers where they are preserving L. Ron Hubbard's most precious writings for uh, the coming apocalypse. I don't think that that's what the bunkers are for. Uh, but this is in Trementina in New Mexico. You also have Zorro Ranch, which was recently purchased and is not that far away. Um, and then, you know, best friends. So there's something going on underground. That's what I would ask. Go, you know, ask for a tour out in Kanab. Like, let me go see the whole property. And there is there something underground? Because I think that the Church of Scientology and Best Friends Animal Society are kind of in a uh, land grab war. I think it's an arms race for property. Um, and I think that part of it has to do with Zorro Ranch as well. And this is the same Zorro Ranch we're talking about, the Epstein compound that You're has right. mm -hmm. uh, what maybe shout out to, to my homie Juan from the one on one podcast. But we've got this whole theory of the Epsteinian homunculus. Well, he might have to recreate the Babylon working um, because got that weird layout that kind of represents in the middle of the desert. You're supposed to be able to attract wandering spirits. Anyway, that's a different show. Um, well, last time, if if you've made it this far, then you're already a believer. You understand how deep research goes. And if you notice, like no one had had invoked like someone acting evil or like their birthday aligns with like Satan's birthday. There was no numerology here. This was like names, dates, places, uh, magazine article, issue numbers, quotes. So we're doing the Lord's work here. And I, and I say we, as in Dana's doing the Lord's work and I'm just here to ask the questions about it. Where can people find you again to, to pump those numbers? Uh, because we need to get you up beyond whatever the thousand is. We need you to, we need you to be at like a million so that maybe, uh, I guess two options, right? If you get to a million, either they can't not, you know, they can't just ignore you anymore 
or they just kind of off you. So, which I guess, you know, to leave this on a high note, who are you the scared of the most out of all the groups? Bring it on. Let's do it. I Is say it? it. I say that I'll be scared when I see a floating red dot on my chest. That's when I'll worry. Otherwise, I don't care. So bring it on. Well, don't look now. No, I'm just. So, is there one that creeps you out the most, though? Like, if you had to take your pick of, you know, who you had to be left in in a in a shipping container with, would it be Scientology? Would it be Process Church? Would it be the Friends Society? Huh. If I had to be, if someone was going to take me out. Remini. Who do you think's gonna take it? It'd be a fair she's fight. Be the one? It, it, no, I don't think that she's the one, but I just oh, think it would at least be a fair fight because I have a feeling that she fights like a girl and like pulls hair. I fight like a man, so I think I would at least have a little fun. Okay, so let, let people know where to contact you in order to get the pay per view tickets for whenever that happens. <laughs> um, so it's Rotting Jewels on Instagram and YouTube and Dana Duda on Twitter. All right. And this was another episode. If you saw and liked the music video that was at the very beginning of this episode, hopefully I didn't have to cut it. If I didn't copyright strike myself, which has happened before, it's a long story. Um, But if you liked it, go and check it out. It should be on Spotify now. That was from either Clinton's greatest hits or it was from cult classics. I'm not even sure which album I'm going to put these on yet. And uh, one last shout out to our sponsors of this episode was Michael Mountain and the Best Friends Society. Check it out. Explore the unique with paranoid American sticker sheets. Unearth tales of cryptids, cults, and mysteries through each sticker. These won't last long. Get yours now at paranoidamerican.com. Stickers, cryptids, cults, and killers, killers. We got all your favorite conspiracies. All the data and more on our sticky sheets. Discover the extraordinary with paranoid American sticker sheets. From cryptids in the night to cults out of sight, each sticker is a unique find. Get yours now at paranoidamerican.com. 